0: Unsung subscribers uh, We've got a wee bit of An emergency mm-hmm. Dave's in the jail He's in the Dave, jail is a, He's in the jail And we don't have Enough money To bail him out So this is where You need to step up We are Woefully underfunded As it stands For this Kind of contingency uh, Basically It's all to do With that uh, Corey Taylor single That came out uh, And David Asking me To play it On air And it's so criminally bad That um, The music police Lifted him <laughs> And th- there he is. He's in. He's in the jail. He's frosted tips, and everybody will be looking at his wee pink bum and thinking, I'm "Gonna get me a slice of that." So dig deep. We need to get that guy out of there. He is too beautiful to spend time behind bars. Yes, he's uh, such a gentle soul. <laughs> uh, so uh, what was it Patreon.com forward slash
1: Pods? You can go over there And uh, we have not set up specifically a tier For getting people out of jail yet However it may become a thing going forward After the recent
0: debacle Yeah, especially the days Increasingly worsening taste in music and uh, uh, um, behaviour <laughs> <laughs> uh, Again uh, we, we, we maybe don't Hammer on this in the right way We would love it if you would stick some money our way We like doing this But it would be great if we could afford to do it uh <laughs> with a little bit more free time <laughs> round about it soon as I ran in the door 10 minutes before recording tonight um, It only really takes one visit to Patreon If you can do that while you're online Just pause it one minute, get your details in there And go in the lowest tier, we don't care it, it Just every bit helps Because there's a reasonable amount of people listening But a very, very, very small amount of people paying And, you know, that's fine But, you know it's not that fine. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to do a show now without David because he's in the jail. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to the unsung podcast. We're down a man, Mark. Yes, Chris. See,
0: see when you were we, right? Or mm-hmm. or, or, or we are. We are. Your folks went away for the weekend. I don't know. They went away somewhere without you. Forgot you, but like home alone. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you ever do that thing where you could pay for the adult channel
1: just for a couple of days? <laughs> uh, my family never had uh, Sky or cable, so no.
0: Right. See. I'd, uh, <laughs> I mean, when I, was, when I was actually wee, there was this moment the Sky was, I don't know how they worked it, they like had mice running around a wheel or something like that, because it just before it went all grey and sparkly, uh, there was um, just a wee glimpse you get a wee glimpse of fanny or a wee a, a wee a wee corner of a bobby um, and and then it would encrypt just as you were like oh what's that um, but then after that my parents would go away and your friends would flood round to your house your parents would don't have a party I'm not going to have a party but I'm <laughs> going to try and pay for the adult channel <laughs> 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 <And> <laughs> anyway, yeah. So today's episode is very much like me at the age of 13 trying to pay for the adult channel when my parents are away because Dave's not here and probably the thing that Dave would put it definitely his top 3 of least favorite things about Mark and I <laughs> uh, is that we constantly bang on about wrestling when the the record light isn't on. Mm-hmm. So cats away and I nice so play. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I still stand by the idea that have for, for an episode or a series where we just force Dave to watch wrestling and, and, and record his live reactions. Um, but I don't think it'll ever happen because he genuinely despises it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to I'm not gonna labour this point, okay? I think I've probably touched on this at some point in the past, especially when I was half cut in a Christmas special. But if, if you get all sniffy with wrestling, but yet you're one of these chodes that can... <laughs> Like glorify UFC. I, I once saw a woman get her ear punched off in the UFC, and people were cheering. And you're like, "That's just, I would rather watch a panto. I would much rather watch a panto. I'd rather watch this daft, analogous Greek god stupid sort of what are they called? The like archetypal battle and Iber thing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd rather watch that farce and the, the fun of it and the fact that it's basically like the Chinese circus, but just on steroids, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. I, I would much rather do that than watch a woman get her ear punched off in the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, uh, I can't, I can't get my head around that, uh, it's th- that sort of condescension or that hierarchy. I mean, I get it. Yeah, they're really fighting, but it's, it's not a nice thing. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's like it, it, to me,
1: it's the exact same thing as, as, as like theatre snobs, like being really sort of getting their sort of fucking their hackles up at like soaps. You know what I mean? It's like one is art and, and the other is not. Um, I've often said, like, m- my degree, half of my, I, I did a joint honours and half of it was in film and TV, another half was in Scottish literature. And I've always said that if I ever went back and did a PhD, I would do it on wrestling. <laughs> so I think I think it would be fucking fascinating, right? I think it would be really good. There's already books out there for it, some great ones. Um, but I think it would be fascinating to have that analysis of both sides of that situation, like the side of the the, the partner and the theatrics and the TV sports entertainmentness of it all, mm-hmm. and then the whole derision of it as a sport. Because yes, of course, it's not a sport. We know it's not a sport, but it doesn't pretend to be a sport. It, it kind of does a little bit, but. It's it's done with annoying wink, in my opinion. You
0: know, it definitely straddles it, but it doesn't straddle it any more than the vast majority of music pretends to be music. Yeah. That's true. It's really you know, there's there's something relevant in that analogy, I think. Also I think it's a really remarkable cultural phenomenon. We're not gonna stay in this point Because we've got makes we've a lot of stupid shit to talk about. Yes. Um but uh, <laughs> maybe undermining my point a you bit by saying <laughs> that. But uh I've said it before, okay, so you can have intellectuals, you can have spokespeople, you can have Akala, and you can have Lemmy, and you can have people from The Spectator, and you can have people from The Guardian, and you can have all kinds of woke folks on the telly of all colours and genders, and not one of them will make as big a difference as if the likes of Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out on his podcast and says... Hey guys, how dare you give a guy shit for being gay? Who cares if he's gay? Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody like Steve Austin, who's speaking to an audience that is the audience that, yeah, we're painting in broad strokes here, but it's the audience where these things are still a real issue in the sort of redneck, red state America. Or when you have a wrestler like Darren Young, openly gay, competing in that sport when we've not even got one openly gay football player. Um
1: and don't forget as well, obviously you've got Nyla Rose from an EW who competes the women division, um, Transgender mm-hmm. Wrestler, you know, um, has been has held the title there, but at least they're fucking doing this stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Honestly, I just think those kind of things have the power to change far more minds and far more minds that are not listening to people from The Guardian and The Independent and stuff like that. Uh, And even though, yes, wrestling evolves (laughs) a snail's pace, and yes, it's still incredibly misogynistic, and it's absolutely problematic all over the shop, not least at the top, it also has a tremendous power to effect change. And I think as wrestling very slightly modernises, you do notice a lot of those attitudes modernising and seeing people like Steve Austin and The Rock out there being very moderate, sensible, likeable people is really encouraging and so i've got a lot of time for it um i'll also allot this to my my flatmate or my ex-flatmate uh, mr marty cohen <laughs> who gave me some heavy schooling in the in the wrestling arts um anyway so the reason that we're talking about wrestling is because we're going to shoehorn it into the unsung podcast by <laughs> focusing on the music side of wrestling which is a remarkably large side of wrestling mm-hmm. and we're going to look at some of the biggest theme songs and entrance music of wrestling mm-hmm. over the the, the years What we're not going to do, which is maybe something for a future episode, and I would I would absolutely love to maybe speak to somebody like Colt Cabana and get his input on an issue like this, which is the many wrestling-affiliated albums that came out, including John Cena's You Can't See Me, mm-hmm. but all the compilations... Uh, is there not one that's called Something like Forced entry Or something like that There's like This lowest man Of like <laughs> reckless intent And there's like So many And I, I'm pretty sure there's one though That went to the top of the charts That's called like Forced entry Or something something like that It's super rapey And it's got like limb getting and stuff on it <laughs> Yeah that, I mean Maybe we'll
1: talk about that In a wee second But there was definitely <laughs> An era Like in the early In the mid 2000s Where there was a massive Massive crossover Between wrestling and, and, and sort of more mainstream Like rock and metal music
0: Oh yeah yeah <laughs> Absolutely, that's that's a phase. So, we're not going to talk about those albums, although maybe one day we will get back to those albums and sift through them. What we're going to talk about is the entrance music and Mark and I have uh, decided we're going to pick our five favourites for various reasons and kind of tell you a little bit about why they are our favourites. Maybe run through a few that didn't make the cut and then we also set each other a little challenge. I mean, I'd had a few beers, I don't know if you had, um, <laughs> but it was basically pick three songs from inverted commas, bunny ears, the real world that would make great wrestling themes and come up with two wrestlers that they'd suit, but also ourselves have to be one of them, mm-hmm. um, give ourselves a character and, and a theme. Uh, so we're going to do that. And then obviously we're going to do the Nexus. Uh, and the Nexus was chosen <laughs> for us by Katie Jean Carside, uh, uh, which I hope you listen to that episode because I loved it. Um, and it is Georgie or Georgie, Leggetti the composer (laughs) Uh, so yeah we're going to take our number one uh, wrestling theme and nexus it to Gheorghe Leggetti uh but we might as well start with a, a very, a very rough history lesson. Now, there are definitely a few people listening to this podcast that like wrestling because I've, I've chatted to you about it. There's uh, also probably in a lot that hate it and are like, "What the fuck are you talking?" Probably tuned out by now, to be honest. No, no, no. See, if you hate it, you should go with it because nobody's more aware of its flaws than us. <laughs> That's why we're well placed to do this. Um, if we do make any factual errors, uh, and if there's some stuff that we can't find out or that we're not aware of, and I think I can think of a couple of things that I would love clarification on please get involved in the chat online Uh, we would value your input so as i understand it i I was aware that there are painfully few female names going to appear in this episode (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) not just because a lot of female wrestlers have some fairly kind of like run in the mill theme tunes but Mm -hmm. they're also until recently were only so many female wrestlers of prominence anyway i mean yeah there's always been some but nowhere near uh, the level of coverage of the, of the men's side of it. If you find that objectionable, I understand that, I would suggest, though, that all the more reason to listen to this episode, because if, if we're going to do anything, we're going to lampoon the farcical <laughs> machismo of wrestling. I mean, well, whilst, whilst maybe wrestling seems like it paints some kind of patriarchal portrait, What it tends to do is make men look like idiots, even though they maybe don't realise it. So I'm not sure that it necessarily is ultimately a a net gain for for men. But the fact that I love is that, as best I can work out, the the first wrestling theme tune music dates back to a wrestler called Mildred Burke in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was a three times champ of various League kind of incarnations at the time. By the way, Mildred Burke was her ring name, ring names being a, a common thing. Uh, but her real name was Mildred Bliss, and nowadays Mildred Bliss would absolutely be the better name. Totally. Alexa Bliss, Mildred Bliss, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: It world Championship Wrestling time, but the sport once completely dominated by men now finds itself invaded by pin up girls of the pin down world. It's Mildred Burke of Los Angeles, California, World Champion. The referee is a gentle soul, and he tells the girls that he's any rough, ungentlemanly fighting. And, of course, our lady wrestlers are never ungentlemanly. May is being very careful not to smear Mildred's lipstick. Oh, well, I guess she did. And Mildred is mad.
0: Um, But Mildred Burke entered to music way back then And around the same time, maybe slightly later Super famous Gorgeous George started entering to uh, a song that is called Pomp and Circumstance and is going to appear later on in the show Because Mm -hmm. it was appropriated by another very, very famous wrestler later on
1: Perhaps the most recognisable wrestler of the time Was a colourful character by the name of Gorgeous George George has been silently credited with establishing network television as a viable entertainment medium. Standing just 5 feet 9 inches and weighing 215 pounds, he did not intimidate his opponents or the crowd, but instead took full advantage,
0: when he could, to break the rules. You will recognise Problems and Circumstance because um, it was originally written in 1901. Yep. 1901. By Elgar. Um, by Elgar, absolutely uh, But it didn't really become famous for us until 1902 When uh, it was given lyrics by a guy called uh, Arthur Benson And we probably better know it as Land of Hope and Glory mm-hmm. Um, so it's part of a bigger suite by Elgar, but that part specifically is very BBC proms and very grandiose. Uh, so Gorgeous George used to enter to that, and again, that's one of the earliest examples of it. Now, you kind of fast-forward a little bit uh, into the 70s, well into the McMahon dynasty of wrestling, and a guy called Sergeant Slaughter, who I'm sure actually quite a lot of people probably remember, still cutting about?
1: Yeah, still he's, he's, yeah, yeah. he's still employed by WWE. Yeah. I think he's a manager or a producer uh, or something.
0: So, um, Sergeant Slaughter actually uh, walked out at a, an event at Madison Square Gardens to what they call the Marine's Hymn. kind of fitting with his character. And he, since then, he claims that he was the one that sort of got in Vince McMahon's ear and, and gave him the idea to start really featuring music as part of the, the wrestler's bigger character and repertoire. Um, worth worth pointing
1: out there that it's actually that's Vincent J McMahon, which is
0: Vince, current Vince McMahon's dad. Yeah. Um, although, in saying that, at the same time in the UK, and I'm sure many of us remember this guy or at least know the name, Big Daddy was... Uh, already wrestling and he was uh he was using the track uh we shall not be moved which um very british i mm-hmm. believe it goes we shall we shall not be moved we shall we shall not be moved by the hearts the hips of the rangers we <laughs> shall not be moved pretty sure those are the original lyrics, lyrics of that song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but big daddy was using that in the 70s and he couldn't be moved really because that guy was <laughs> <dragging>. <laughs> um music didn't really take off at that time, it started to get a lot bigger in wrestling in the 80s and there was a kind of point where it sort of exploded um, people like the fabulous Freebirds Hulk Hogan, who we'll talk about quite a bit uh, Junkyard Dog and a whole bunch of others started using like, big rock anthems uh, as their entrance songs at that stage I mean Hogan at that point was using Eye of the Tiger by Survivor a callback to Rocky 3 <laughs> Um, The Road Warriors used Iron Man by Black Sabbath
1: Uh, Very famous Agreed, I almost picked that as one of my choices Actually for um, uh, For my creator wrestler I didn't go there in
0: the end yeah, it's a total belter. Huh? Yeah. Uh, the Junkyard Dog used Another One Bites the Dust by Queen. Uh, a guy called, uh, is it Eddie Colbert? Uh, he used Hot Stuff by Donna Summer. <laughs> Fair play, man. I mean, you kind of get it. It fits with the character. I like the sassy, overconfident heel. Um, Barry Windham and a guy called Mike uh, Rotondo. Uh, used Born in the USA now those two guys also used something else or almost used something else and that'll come up later on in this as well Mike Rotondo for anyone that's into wrestling you may be known better as Irwin R. Scheister. yep, and a, a whole host of other names he was a sort of Wall Street shirt and braces black tie kind of heel suave slick back mm-hmm. madman type guy um, and, yeah, so the- and his sons are Bo
1: Dallas and Bray Wyatt there you go <laughs> So Get a bit of trivia there Yeah so I mean And he actually it's Weird to say as well He was actually just released By WWE as well
0: Whoops <laughs> 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 He's a producer But he was just let go So yeah. Around about 1984 around about this point, uh worldwide wrestling uh, didn't actually use any ring announcers and so that that really helped popularize music in the sport because when the wrestlers were coming out they wanted to create a bit more of a sense of occasion, a sense of the moment and that's the the idea of music started. I think at a, at that stage it was around about half of the wrestlers coming out would then have a theme song and that just started to expand. In the case of WWE or WWF as it was at the time, Vince McMahon, a sort of frugal gentleman with one eye on the the bottom line at all times, this became a little bit too expensive because I mean, for example, Survivor made an awful lot of money from Hulk Hogan using Eye of the Tiger Mm. and Vince McMahon was like, we are just pissing this money away, we should start writing our own theme tunes, Uh, maybe they even catch on and it becomes something we can market and that's exactly what they did. So the, the wrestling company started to employ in-house writers. Um, the most famous of whom, I think, undoubtedly, is Jim Johnson. I would say so. Okay. Um, there's also people like Jimmy Hart, uh, the Mouth of the South, who, he was a manager on WWF mm. as well. Uh, you probably know him. He moved over to WCW. I did notice that when he moved over to WCW, World Championship Wrestling, uh, a lot of the music that he wrote for them sounded incredibly similar <laughs> to, <laughs> to his counterparts. Back at his old uh, employers, yeah. Uh, there's there's also people like Michael Hayes and is it CFOs or CFO dollar CFOs, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so there there was a whole stable of that, and that there, there, there are for any number of companies. Extreme, they, they they all have in-house composers now to try and avoid the sort of the added royalties expense. I mean, especially nowadays that royalties are such a big part of music mm-hmm. revenue for bands, it would just be an unmanageable cost. I think. I mean, uh, does you
1: still get people? coming in with actual band, like actual well-known bands making songs, and that will come in later on. But I just want to take a wee second to pause in the 80s for a second, there, Chris. Because I think it's important to talk about the rock and wrestling connection. So in the mid-80s when WWF was starting to get popular, that was when Hulk Hogan was starting to really sort of be the, the face of the company, and for those that are not in the know wrestling, the face of the company, particularly when it comes to WWE, is actually a big thing, and it's still a continual, ongoing debate. With fans, um, the the most famous wrestlers you know will no doubt be the people who are the face of the company at some point. You know your Austin's, your Rocks, your John Cena's, you know all that kind of thing. Hulk Hogan was really the first one, um, and that was in the mid eighties that really happened. Um, I was a manager at the time in WWF called Lou Albino, and uh, he met Cindy Lauper on a trip to Puerto Rico, <laughs> and he actually then appeared in his in the video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun in nineteen eighty three. So after sort of sensing a bit of, was a, he her dad? It could have been, yeah.
0: I think he was her dad.
1: Um, so after sensing Mr. McMahon, as you've mentioned, I was got one eye in on the bottom line, saw an opportunity, and then actually booked both Lopper and Albano Ab- or Lou Albino uh, Albano on Piper's Pit, which is the the kind of gimmicky talk show that you sometimes get in wrestling shows, which is which was hosted by Rowdy Roddy Piper uh, and the Rock and Wrestling. St- storyline kind of began there and that kind of really cemented that this crossing over of two worlds and then we end up having like a match between uh, Lopper who asked Wendy Richter to represent her and Albano who chose Fabulous Miller and then there was like a big S- brawl about S- it in the mid-80s. Cindy Lopper was in a Wrestlemania one. Yep you? exactly that. and so that was what I was going to say so um, Richter later had a match with one of Fabulous Miller's prodigy which is Liana Kai and that was the match that was in the first Wrestlemania where Richter regained
0: the title yeah I mean I think I think the two of them just are so seamlessly melded now like sort of big American rock and wrestling and although hip-hop plays a big part in it now actually it's just I mean there are tunes that are banjo here and it just sounds like wrestling music Mm -hmm. you know it's it's almost become a a sort of like blanket term for shit that's just corny and chunky and daft. Um, And that that definitely does become a thing. I will say, just at the end of the 80s, I think it was 1988, uh, Ted Turner, who also owns CNN, bought uh, NWA which was the National Wrestling Wrestling Association. Association. Um, And what that did was that gave them access to kind of Turner Music Library and then Ric Flair was booked the famous Ric Flair I'm sure you know. Woo! Mm -hmm. This guy Um, he was was, uh, given a job uh, in charge of booking and he started to bring back in big rock songs because he didn't have such sort of expensive licenses to pay for them. And as Mark says, we're now at a point where there's a bit of both. You do have some famous artists contributing. Some artists actually go out of their way. I mean, people like Kid Rock... It is, it is so closely interwoven with mm. some some of the shittiest wrestlers. Mm. Um, I mean, he's he's just in there, and it's that kind of style. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole host of them. We'll, we'll touch on some of them. Um, by the way, a little bit of trivia here at this point. Uh, you know, you know Lex Luger. Yes. <laughs> uh, so Lex Luger. I mean, most wrestlers have a number of tunes over their course of their career. Uh, one of Lex Luger's tunes during the kind of Ted Turner era uh, <laughs> was uh, people were like. I, I, I kind of know that I kind of know that riff It was a guitar thing And it was because It was also uh, Music from the cartoon Count Docula <laughs> 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 Which is amazing I Love it. Um, but yeah, so that's it's sort of very, very basic prehistory, right? So we'll maybe go through some of the styles, right? So I want, I want to kind of come up with one here, which is like the sort of classic wrestling vibe, okay? Mm. It's just like big instrumentals, either kind of anonymous rock music, library rock music mm-hmm. that you'd buy, guitar riff 40 or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also stuff that's, again, like I said, b- b- BBC proms. So we've got the Macho Man in here, uh, with Land of Hope and Glory or... Pumping circumstance, pumping circumstance. Yeah, you've got the Undertaker who very famously used that funeral march. Uh, you've got Ric Flair who used part of uh, also Sprach Zarathustra mm-hmm. uh, by Strauss, which you probably know better from 2001 A.D. A Space Odyssey. Uh, Just such an iconic part of Ric Flair's uh, character, that song. Um, you also have Mark. You mentioned Rowdy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper was <laughs> actually became Rowdy Roddy Piper because at an early uh, event, pipers were playing, and they just the, the announcer didn't really have a gimmick for him, so he called the Piper. That was it. Nice. It stuck. <laughs> Roddy Piper. That was it. Uh, and they played up his Glasgow roots, even though he's Canadian, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So there you go. Rowdy Roddy Piper. Um, you also have like in terms of this sort of functional rock music, you know, the Ultimate Warrior. Classic, mm-hmm. classic, and and really the super fast, frantic sort of nature of it, the silliness of it, really suited that character, totally. and it also sounded almost identical when you got a video game with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have people like Bret Hart, yep, Brett, who, uh, uh, they, yeah, they finally got his song right once they sped it up, and most people probably know it because of that big guitar squeal at the start yeah. of it. Don't, don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Demolition, they had Demolition. A, a very sort of well-known mm-hmm. metal riff in theirs. But in terms of a more modern era, I think Daniel Bryan tapped in really well to the sort of classic BBC Proms thing with the Ride of the Valkyries. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's a really, really good nod to th- I think the history of wrestling and, and Daniel Bryan is sort of seen as being a legitimate guy, a guy who grew up, did it the hard way and I think him referencing the sort of older era of wrestling, the classic people like Macho Man and Ric Flair who are using these big orchestral pieces, it's mm. it's quite a cool touch on his part. Um, you, you move forward a wee bit and you've got this sort of early, what they call the Attitude Era and the Attitude Era is actually where I think a lot of the listeners of this podcast probably first experienced wrestling, and that is I mean, some of the names, like Stone Cold and The Rock, I mean, really big ones, but there's a lot of other big ones in there fairly well-known tunes I mean, Chris Benoit Uh, I mean... I have <laughs> I have got some interesting things in brackets here. Chris Benoit unfortunately murdered his family, okay? <laughs> so let's just get that out of the road, okay? There's the elephant in the room, uh, the big murdering elephant in the room. Uh, the tune with Chris Benoit it was incredibly effective, but it was a sort of progression of the library rock. It mm. was much chunkier and heavier, really well-produced. Really kind of aggressive metal um, Earlier on than that You had the likes of Vader and Raven Who both had this sort of early attitude era Slightly nastier, riffier Chunkier guitar music always very simple. It's all just about the spaces and the notes. Um, A bit of a precursor to the new metal and that's something that'll come up. Um, You've got Legion of Doom, who really were just playing one riff over and over and over (laughs) again. Um, And Stone Cold Steve Austin at at this point as well had a fairly basic sort of perfunctory heavy rock anthem that just went along with him, which I think actually this era of guitar music in wrestling really reminds me of the likes of Brock Lesnar recently. who also just they just went for that really simple guitar refrain just a motif over and over and over again yeah well he came from that the a man didn't he so like it, yeah. it would make sense that that music would, would stick around for that and, and I think it shows that there's actually a bit more thought goes into it than pe- some people maybe give credit because people say like He's this is he's in the modern era. He's fighting in the modern era, but a lot of people think of him from twenty years ago or mm. fifteen years ago. So it makes sense to nod to that the same way Daniel Bryan did to the classic stuff. Um, and I think for people that are drifting a wee bit here, w- what this highlights, I think, is is again the way that wrestling knew its audience. It knew who it was speaking to. It knew the sort of the sort of music, the sort of brand that it was expected to portray. And I think it was getting all the more astute. The, the, the further uh, it progressed at this point till we get to the point where Mark touched on earlier and you get into this sort of new metal and almost post new metal era where he still had sort of chunky cheesy riffs but you started to notice some bands getting involved and also you would get singing coming in with the chunky cheesy riffs uh, Randy Orton was is one for that, Rob Van Damme the band Shadows Fall did a song for him didn't yep. he? Uh, Fury of the Storm I think it's called mm-hmm. uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin I think he did he not move over to a Disturbed tune? Yeah he
1: had, uh, had that then you had um, The Undertaker famously coming down first to Limp uh, first to Kid Rocks American Badass and then to Rolling by Lump Biscuit. people like yeah, Marlon Manson were getting involved Seven Dust Saliva Monster Machine uh, uh, Yeah know. I was going to say
0: Batista like, Dave Batista uh, had Saliva Dave Batista who is now Basically, just an actor, yeah, uh, and and fairly celebrated actor. Um, let's let's get a woman's name in here, please. Uh, Lita. Uh, the, the track "It Just Feels Right," which went on to become the title. I think of a. a documentary or a DVD about her as well mm-hmm. um, I, uh, also Kane at this point had a track called Slow Chemical which was that sort of like Linkin Parky sort of brooding emo new metal thing yeah And I think Kane's sort of take on that leads on to some of the later ones which are a bit less specifically categorisable. Like Christian, who had this sort of really awful emo, electro monstrosity that went along with him. At at this era as well, you start to notice that hip-hop and rap is getting a, a lot of Play. I mean, there's a lot more black wrestlers, a lot more high-card black wrestlers. People who are getting really uh, a lot of attention, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so they need big anthems that go along with it. No, you've obviously got a fair bit of cultural mm-hmm. appropriation in with that. So, unfortunately, the first the first name that comes to mind here is uh, John Cena and basic thugonomics. Mm-hmm. Word life. This is basic thugonomics. This is basic thugonomics.
1: <laughs> Word life. <laughs>
0: Touchable But I'm you to Word This is Which was <laughs> The vanilla ice Of uh, of wrestling uh, But there's a lot There's a there's a lot more A lot more credible Ones that go along with it Mark You're bound to have a few favourites From this category From from that category of music Or of wrestler Well I mean I would say Mark Henry's uh, Somebody's Gonna Get It Yeah He's a super iconic. famous example Three my
1: yeah, Hey yeah, whoa, say, whoa. Yeah, totally hey. iconic, you know um, I think he is he a Hall of Famer now, right? Um, if he's not, he definitely should be soon He's somebody that I think was maybe underrepresented There uh, was a song called Hell Yeah, which had Snoop Doc in it I know, I know it's not a black wrestler, but it's a black artist And so he's uh, you know? well, he's
0: going to make another appearance Because uh, just mm-hmm. recently Sasha Banks uh, With the track Sky's the Limit yeah. Sasha Banks being One of the main female faces In the company now The
1: cousin mm-hmm.
0: of Snoop Dogg uh, so he's a her
1: track yeah, yeah and they've got like The likes of Cool Keith Old Dirty Bastard Run the MC Ice-T They all got involved At some point as well d- yeah, d- During this new metal era
0: mm, And you had wrestlers as well Like, like MVP I you to remember me But the day don't have no memory I'm coming Nobody can stop me Ain't nobody can hold me Ain't nobody control me I'm coming I'm here to do my thing I'm here to bring the pain and I'm never ever gonna change I'm me. coming yeah. I think was involved in his track Booker T Did he not do some of the vocals In his own tracks as yeah, well Yeah uh-huh. um, um, The Godfather and all, Yeah And there's a fair bit of crossover as well You get um, A wee bit earlier in That you had Eddie Guerrero Doing the kind of Latino thing But it's very much Latin flavoured hip hop mm-hmm. That he was doing Chica
1: Tu quieres probar A un latino, latino. latino. latino.
0: Um, so I think you can see even in the music that the company were using, they were trying to diversify their audience as well. Wrestling realised that if it was going to get as big as it got, it had to sort of expand from that kind of largely white, middle American, sort of like flyover state rock audience that that, that sort of grew within. Mm-hmm. You know, it had to grow out of that. It had to get to the coasts and it had to reach, it had to cross gender boundaries and racial boundaries a, a bit better. And that was, that was... Evidenced by the roster, but it was also evidenced by things like the music. And the music and the roster obviously went hand in hand. What they never lost, though, was that kind of down home country roots, mm-hmm. uh, all that shit. And you always had in the likes of Big Show, oh, it's a big show. <laughs> uh, even the accents, I mean, yeah. fucking God.
1: Well, it's a big show. Oh, it's a big band.
0: Billy Gunn, I've got it all. Uh, the New Age Outlaws, and I mean, oh, you didn't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you always uh, the,
0: call somebody. <laughs> uh, you had uh, Jeff Jarrett. I mean, Jeff Jarrett just is just country as fuck. Yes. Anyway, that was his, uh, his that was his
1: gimmick as well. I don't know if he's have spoken about gimmick so far, but the gimmick is like the character that a person plays. For those that are unfamiliar, and uh, his gimmick was always to be like this annoying kind of southern country guitar playing. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, cracker. Yeah. <laughs> basically, yeah. Just a total annoying. He, he was a great heel. And he was a great bad guy.
0: Yeah. yeah. And another one was the honky tonk man.
1: And my hair taken back, I'm coming to your town And my pink like Cadillac, I'm just a honky-tonk man He's a honky-tonk man I'm just a honky-tonk man He's a honky-tonk man I'm just a honky-tonk man
0: Yeah, because people... Oh, I mean, sorry to patronise you that are familiar with it, but when the ho- audience doesn't like a wrestler, it's called heat. Yeah. Uh, and the Honky Tonk Man was a heat magnet. <laughs> yeah, I, I found it's really bad. They call it nuclear heat. <laughs> <laughs> but heat isn't always a bad thing, because basically you just want the audience to be animated. Mm-hmm. So a, a good heel, or so an, an effective heel, is sometimes better than a good face, a yeah. good, good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, And the Honky Tonk Man's Elvis shtick, I mean, really... Overtly not holding back, Elvish stick Mm -hmm. uh, really pissed people off. Um, I would also like to just take a tiny uh, segue here into a track called Pie by The Rock. (laughs) 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 I switched you on to here, Mark. Because you know, after The Rock lays a smackdown on some big, fat, ugly hermaphrodite,
1: The Rock needs a little distraction and a slice sounds just
0: right. I don't actually know if Pi was ever used as entrance music I think it was actually just on one of those compilations Oh I think it was that, Oh boy That is That is something else <laughs> It's a, it's a editorial decision gone horribly, horribly wrong, I think that <laughs> I'll stick it I'll stick a wee bit in it, but I've got a feeling this won't be the last wee of pie. Um and then there's just a the sort of umbrella category of other. I mentioned Christian who did that horrible emo electro stuff. The the wrestler Edge, real fan favourite. Uh, he had some kind of weird sort of like genre straddling, like I don't know, yeah. weird mashup stuff. Uh, the The rest of China, who I'm sure we know, um, no longer with us, had a, a her track. I don't know who sang it, but it's like a weird industrial rock version of Madonna. Kind of effective, actually, for her, especially suited her cat. It uh, uh, suited her character. Um, Mankind's Ode to Freud On the eighth day God created mankind. Why was he having such a bad day? Why did he create all of you normal? Anyone listening does not know who Mick Foley is? <laughs> um but Mick Foley had a number of characters. Probably, I think the most popular one was Mankind. Uh, and the Ode to Freud track is—it's kind of him crying and wailing. It's got a weirdly cinematic, eerie score, and then a bunch of creepy voices. I mean, it's very odd intro music for any wrestler, but it really worked. I mean, it became like totally iconic. Um, you doink the clown. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Circus music <laughs> What a segue to yeah. take <laughs> Yeah I know Tell me about it You've got a couple That are a bit more upbeat You've got people like Nowadays you've got Sami Zayn Who's got a kind of Ska yeah. punk World thing World That's actually A really good song It's actually On my list of things That I want to talk about <laughs> Yeah And it re- really it really Suits his character as well mm. You've got Bailey uh, Who's got a kind of Sugar pop track Called Turn It Up Which is mm. this really Really buoyant thing
1: Sasha Banks, as well, like her her intro music is dead good too. Yeah, the Snoop one. Um,
0: And I think I also just want to make a mention uh, of Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man's kind of 80s rock pop classic. (laughs) <laughs> Which, when I forget how that song goes, I always sing it to the Kaiser Chiefs: "Ruby, Ruby, Ruby, Ruby." <laughs> uh, but a, a total belter, and it's one of those songs where you've got the wrestler had voiced over laughter in his own song, mm-hmm. so he's just like, <laughs> 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 and it's great. I mean, it just reminds you you're basically at a pantomime you're yeah, basically at a pantomime at that point. I mean, that is like, and that was at like high camp peak. You know, that that was that was right in there. Mm-hmm.
1: Right okay sorry I need to stop you there It's getting to the stage now where we're actually taking a wee bit of the piss I mean yes I suppose Dave is away and we can talk about this stuff endlessly And you know what we are going to talk about it endlessly Or you know there will be an end at some point But for a lot longer than I think some people may feel comfortable with And that's totally fine So we're going to end this episode here And we'll come back to part 2 later on this week Yes that is correct we're actually going to do this over the course of one week Instead of spacing out over two weeks So if you're really digging this episode, then I hope you join the next one. And if you're not, then you don't need to listen to the next one, I guess. Whatever. Anyway, we'll see you next week.